class. Please be quiet. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. Welcome to the RPG Academy Network presents Film Studies. Welcome, classroom. I am Kalum, and I will be your teacher of foreign cinema. Although, am I tonight? Because I'm setting out even more than last month now with a American blockbuster. I got my darkest Under Armour compression suit. I just did my gym, and we're going to talk about Fast Five. Or is it Fast and Furious Five? Or is it Fast and Furious Five Rio Heist? I don't know, but it's from 2011, and it was directed by Justin Lin. Let's take attendance and see who is joining us today. (laughs) Anna, could you introduce yourself and maybe tell us what type of teacher you would be at the RPG Academy? So I think I would be a film science teacher, because everyone knows that film science isn't the same as real science. (laughs) And it's always really fun to analyze how film science actually works. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I'm Anna, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I love this film. Let's do this. RPGs and films. Would you mainly be mixing different coloured liquids together? That'd be a lot of film science, or am I, am, I, am I misconstruing what you meant? I'm thinking, like, when it comes to, like, especially space and mm-hmm. explosions, because sometimes you see right. something explode, yeah. and you're like, that's totally real. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm thinking, like, you know, how you can hear the sounds of jet engines in space, but it defies, mm. like, the laws of how sounds travels, but yet somehow you can hear it still. Well, that's well, the yeah. ta of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. I think like, you'd have to pipe the sounds into the cockpit, otherwise you'd get sad. A bit like the way they have to, that, that electric cars <laughs> have to make noises. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, in Star Wars, you just see all this battle going around you. And you just have like a robot replicating all the sounds or the lasers in the cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> You'd plug C-3PO in via USB port to the cigarette lighter and then he'd communicate with the ship. Oh my god. Hi, I'm Grant by the way, sorry I started speaking before I was introduced. What sort of teacher would you be? Ah, uh, okay, I'd be, I'd be the sort of early to mid 40s, wears a leather jacket smoke cigarettes and it's not entirely clear what he's definitely in humanities and it's not entirely clear what kind of films he teaches but it's heavily implied that he that he did some stuff in paris back in the 70s did you also go to Cannes that one time and have a champagne with that one actor that you don't remember the name of oh that that one no i call all actors i refer to them only by their first names <laughs> just to confuse my my students Your first name terms with that actor with that actor yes uh, i'm trying to think of a single famous actor from the 70s <laughs> mm. donald sutherland he was yeah he was famous yeah, in the 70s donald. there you go i know i've seen movies from the 70s but i'm also now drawing a blank robert redford yeah and if you're on the there first name basis you can you know keep the mystery people are not entirely sure what you're talking about that's true like susan but i want one that's famous enough so people get the joke oh susan yeah susan or i don't know tim tim curry great cool yeah so that's me except that's not me that's just that's my film studies teacher sona and i'm gonna abandon that now and come back to just my normal humdrum everyday workaday game designer 
I guess um, I didn't actually say what I do in my everyday life. Mm. I'm actually a science teacher. Oh, <laughs> and, um, oh that's much more relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I have very strong opinions about science in movies, but I try and detach myself from it from time to time. Is it? So, like, whenever I... My job doesn't come up an awful lot in film and TV because I, I write role playing games for a living. <laughs> but I'm broadly aware of like how LARPs, like live action role playing works and stuff like that. And every so often in a crime drama, it'll be like, it well, looks like this guy was killed <laughs> by elves. <laughs> then they'll interview someone and they'll be like, oh, of course, we all swear fealty to our games master. And it's completely unrealistic. Is it like that? My degree is in biochemistry and genetics. Right. So mm. watching things like CSI and NCIS, I, oh, I'm just, oh, just thinking about it makes me mad <laughs> because a lot of the stuff that they do, like the methods that are not the forensics, they can't even hold the equipment right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> it's the same with all jobs. I'm an architect. Usually architects are the love interest, not like the main love interest, the competitor love interest. Mm. And uh, yeah, they always arrive with the large sheets of paper, the tube, all about Mary, Inception. Glasses, <laughs> sleeves rolled up. Yes. Rich. Yeah, checkered shirt. Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No time. I guess there's, there's not an awful lot of um, like crime dramas about architects oh, and game designers, so I think Anna has it worse you'd too. be surprised. There, there are quite a few. Yeah, I would be surprised. <laughs> Oh, there are a lot of dramas about architects. I feel like there's not necessarily crime dramas about architects, but yeah, architect is kind of like the sexy career, especially in things like <laughs> rom-coms and things. I guess it doesn't... It's more of a rom-com career, really. No one, like, you don't have a, a direct boss you're reporting to, so you don't need to be like, oh, I've got to get all these designs in for the building by 7pm or Mr. Higgins is going to have my ass. It's more like sort of laid back and you turn up and like draw a line over here. Look at this model I made it's in like very... two days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you seen the Misha Barton vehicle walled in? No. <laughs> she she goes to survey a tower before destruction and people still live in it. And she, she's like surveying the place. And of course, the place is haunted slash oh, no. designed by a crazy architect amazing. who put traps in there, walled in. Maybe another film studies, but tonight! <laughs> yes, we'll get back on track. <laughs> Getting people back on track. I mean, you were the one asking all along those recordings were taking. <laughs> I gave you a rather clear answer about that. Like, it's funny because this film, like, on the, the topic of, like, film science, I haven't seen Fast Five for a while and I was watching it. And since becoming a science teacher, I've looked more into, like, film explosions and things like that. And I'm just watching Fast Five. Like, cars can't do that. <laughs> cars can't do that either. No. No, absolutely not. Or can they? <laughs> we will find out. So, content warning for tonight's movie. There's a lot of explosions, violence, people getting killed with guns. There's a few bikinis, no actual nudity. I know, is that called nudity? I don't know. The, there's uh, no nips. Okay, so no nips. And there's no sex scenes as far as I remember. I watched it this morning, so... No. <laughs> yeah, and knowing some of my guests tonight regarding the podcast itself, uh, let's say it's PG-13, we'll try not to be explicit too okay. much. It's PG-13 for teenagers. No, yeah, we will be explicit, so run away. Don't listen to that on speakers <laughs> in your office. If you're back in the office in 10 years after COVID. Anyway, so... Oh, I did not even... Did I introduce myself? Yeah, I no. said... Well, yeah, you said who you are, yeah. yeah. I'm confused tonight. 
I was not even joking when I said I just did my gym and, I, and I'm wearing an Under Armour compression shirt. I am. Oh, I, th- I thought that was a cool, sexy lie you told. <laughs> no, that's a s- cool, sexy truth. Oh, wow, okay. A cool, oh, sexy yeah. truth here. Well done. Anna, what is your one-sentence tagline for this movie? Well, this one was really hard because I came up with all kinds of taglines. But I think the one that, if anyone asked me what Fast and the Furious was about, I'd just be like, cars and really hot people. <laughs> Or you can replace hot with sexy people. Yeah, that's fair. And Vin Diesel. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I mean, oh. <laughs> He's no The Rock. Oh my gosh. So one of my friends who were talking about this film like ages and ages ago, I've been, I love this film series. She was like, mm. The Rock is the only person who can make Vin Diesel look like a pea next to a potato. <laughs> <laughs> It is so weird seeing this fight. I can't unsee it because Vin Diesel <laughs> looks like a child next to the it's rock. It's like an angry film. Despite the alleged contractual obligation to keep them at the same height and throwing the same punches, from what I heard. So, how many stars would how many stars would that be, Anna? I would give it four stars. I just really, really enjoy the film. The one thing that lets me down is that sometimes, but the scripting is so cheesy it makes me cringe so much and that's the only thing that stops me from giving it a full five stars i told you were removing a star because of the science in the movie and the physics no of fast and the furious is one of those films like it's just so ridiculous and so out there that i really don't care about the science <laughs> if it can keep my mind occupied and make me like entertain me enough don't care about the science because it's like the whole f- i mean have you seen one of the latest ones they they switch on all the ai and all the cars and like just a remote control, all the cars in a parking lot. Oh yeah! <laughs> so yeah, I saw that. Scene. The fate of the Furious. Yes. So I, I just kind of like at that point, especially with the Fast and Furious franchise, it's like what will be will be. <laughs> <laughs> so Grant, what about you? What's your tagline? My tagline is: "You'll never believe no bystanders were killed." Technically, you're correct. I mean, no bystanders were it's killed. It's just they're doing so much. They're doing so many. Very fast, dangerous things all the time. <laughs> like at one point, they destroy a bank by turning left, <laughs> and <laughs> apparently, no one was hurt. And like, like, like they—I'm pretty sure they—they they, they run a prison bus off the road and explode it to get Vin Diesel out. They even mention at the very yeah. beginning, like, no one was killed in this. Unbelievably, <laughs> no one was killed in this horrific atrocity. <laughs> and yeah, you're right. Some people do get killed later on, but I just felt they were engaging in such reckless danger. I mean, some people do get killed, but they're not necessarily bystanders. No, they're very much involved. Yeah. <laughs> very involved, yeah. And how many stars for you, Grant? A three-star film for me, I'm afraid. Three. I love the Fast and the Furious series. And I think the thing I love about them the most is, I think it takes place at the end of six? No, it's the, it's the end of seven. Yeah, six is, is, is the one set in London. Six contains, this is going to be a podcast full of asides, so, Seven is the point where Vin Diesel becomes a demigod when he's fighting Jason Statham, and I really like that. That's fun, they go to epic level. But Six is probably my favourite, because Rita Ora, known quarantine dodger, <laughs> comes on camera at, at the start of a race and says, Out here, we're all used to getting what we want. After all, this is London, baby! But remember... Don't bite the bait. And it's never explained what that means. I'm sure it means something in like the right circles. You'd hope, you'd hope it was me, my circles, the person watching the film. I'm going to just casually Google that. 
actually, if there was like a police cruiser that was going to try and lure them off or something. But no, the bait is not referenced. I do not understand what it is. I've got to presume that maybe it ties in with a single that Rita Ora released Will Smith style about the film called Bite the Bait. Fast Fury 6 would be one of my favourites. But I can't get over the fact that half of the film is filmed in Liverpool. <laughs> and as someone who kind of grew up in London and I'm like watching it, I'm like, this isn't London. So I looked it up and half of it's filmed in Liverpool. As a self-professed scientist, you're okay with the things that cars do. <laughs> but passing off Liverpool for London is just the last straw. My brain works in mysterious ways, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've driven in London. You can't get by 50 miles an hour. Are you Okay, you've driven in the wrong bits of London, my friend. <laughs> Or at the wrong time. It is very busy to drive through London, generally. After all, we all fall London. We are used to have everything. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, baby! It's so convoluted. <laughs> Let's not bite the boat. <laughs> My own quote is much longer. Usually I got the shortest quote, but tonight it's the opposite. My quote is, Much faster than the 13 turns chariot chase, it inspired your dungeon master to run. Yeah, it's significantly faster than a combat, isn't it? Yeah, and it's kind of the classic, I love that scene in that movie, I'm going to run it in my tabletop role-playing game. Mm -hmm. And 90% of the time, sort of what works in the scene is missed around the table because it's not about a competition. Like, Mm. (laughs) Brian and Dom are going to win the race. (laughs) That's not the point. Why the point of the 30 turns chariot chase using 5th edition is that you're not sure if you're going to win. But actually, <laughs> yeah, that's not what, what matters. But uh, I feel like it's kind of an entrapment for me here because I'm supposed to be the cinema snob, always uh, introducing movies which are unknown uh, from different countries. And we've got a blockbuster. I take the movie because clearly my guests love this movie. I got a four star. Pretty sure you invited me on about the Fast and the Furious films. I don't quite. I don't appreciate the slander. And three stars. Hey. <laughs> it's okay. I give five stars to this movie because it was much better than expected. You can be a movie snob and still just genuinely enjoy the stupidity of a film, especially when they just acknowledge and embrace the fact mm. this movie would never actually like none of this would work in real it's life. It's about wizards. And that's very exciting. But I'm pretty sure they just sat there and they actually write the Fast and Furious movies using dice because some of it is just mm. so ridiculous. It's got a real random table element to it. Well, Vin Diesel is a outspoken mm-hmm. tabletop RPG, or at least D&D fan, so it's possible. Which is why I'm pretty sure he pro- they probably just do a D&D game or like some kind of RPG game just to write the Fast <laughs> and Furious It's just his, his fan fiction about his own campaign. <laughs> <laughs> well, he already did a movie, which was basically... He, I think, didn't he find it himself? Like, The Witch Hunter the, or something? The Last Witch the Hunter, last witch hunter. Yes. Well, I think he financed the Riddick films himself. Is it like a simple or virtual circle, depending where you stand in which... You know, they did the first Fast and Furious movie. Mm-hmm. It inspired some encounters in tabletop role-playing games. Vin Diesel played the encounters inspired by the first Fast and Furious movie, and that's how he wrote the next ones. And at some point in the franchise... He started playing Crash Bandit. <laughs> so things are getting wilder and wilder. I would love to see a scene in Fast and Furious where all five of them have to drive the same car at once. Or like three or four people in the same car sort of taking turns and pushing pedals, like one of them shooting out the window. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about this RPG. <laughs> they would be miniaturized like in uh, Inner Space. Mm. You know, at the end, the villains. I, I, I... 
So you would I want have them full size, man. I want them full size in quite a small car. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, tight, and then and like like maybe right. There's like one, like two of the characters kind of fancy each other. So Roman and whoever Roman's trying to get off with. I realized today watching this movie, the number one way to have a romance in Fast and Furious is just stare stare really intensely at each other. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the case. They just stare at each other, and then next thing they know, it's like oh, they're a couple. Is Han the only one with romance in this film? I'm trying to remember if there's any others. Uh, no. Oh. So Toretto yeah, ends yeah. up getting with the Brazilian cop who is uncorruptible, and yet she's corrupted <laughs> by Toretto. She's corrupted in the right direction. <laughs> in the right way for love. Mm. Well, she comes back in the next movie, then. Yeah. God, I have such a bad memory. I watch these films like at least once a year, and I still can't remember all the minor characters. Let's refresh things with the most tedious part of any film studies, which is the summary I make of the plot. <laughs> and uh, we all know that the plot of a Fast and Furious movie is highly important. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, here it goes. Dominic Toretto, played by Vin Diesel, is sentenced to serve 25 years in prison without parole. Oh. Thankfully, his sister Maya Toretto and his friend Brian O'Connor, played by Jordana Brewster and Paul Walker, won't let this happen. The couple chases the car through a bus, transporting Dom to prison. Brian gets his 1970 Dodge Charger right in front of the bus, which crashes into this car, killing Brian, Dom, and everyone in the bus. Are you taking this crash by crash? Because we're going to be here a while. Yes. <laughs> I'm just like, wait, what did he do that deserves 25 years in prison without parole? I'm just going to quickly look up the Fast and Furious 4 story. They all blur together. It's very specific also. Anyway, I'm kidding. Everybody's fine, I guess. And all trio flees to Rio de Janeiro. While hiding in a favela, Brian and Mia are offered a job by their old friend Vince, who has a Legend of Zelda tattoo. Vince has the best line in the first film when Brian O'Connor keeps coming around to hang out with Mia and just eat her sandwiches. Vince says, oh. What is he, sandwich crazy? <laughs> and that's, uh, that's, that's the best part of Fast and Furious 1. Jump cut to Brian and Mia on a train. They are part of a heist alongside fishy characters to get three cars <laughs> off the train. Oh no! There are federal agents on the train. Oh no! Dom is also on the train. Oh yeah! <laughs> Who isn't on the train? <laughs> one of their fishy, one of their fishy accomplices is Zizi. Lol, that means Willy in French. Oh, nice. Zizi really wants the Ford GT40 out of the three cars, but Dom has Mia get away with the blue beauty. Everything goes south. Brian and Dom fight with Zizi and his goons. The feds show up, Zizi kills them, lots and lots of stunts happen. The end. <laughs> Brian and Dom make it out by driving off into a canyon with a 1966 Chevrolet Corvette Grand Sport replica, which ends up in a river. Dom and Brian are captured by Zizi. They are brought to crime lord Hernan Hayes played by Joaquim de Almeida. You two started up quite a bit of trouble. He wants the GT40. Dum, dum, dum. As he's leaving with Zizi, Rice orders our two heroes to be tortured. He also tells Dom that he will hurt his sister, Mia. I Big mistake. Not a woman. No, don't you remember? Toretto's 
It's all about family. That's very true. That is the theme I, that Jurato provides. You, know, you threaten my family, and he like. He didn't say that that much in this one. But he does family-based actions. He does that barbecue at the end. They talk about fatherhood. This one is more fatherhood than family, I too. I think it's about him finally accepting Brian fully into the family because now he's spawned a Toretto. No. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> love how you <laughs> phrased it. Toretto. But is he or is she a Toretto or is he or she? Well, a- okay. Well, I mean, if Mia's kept her surname, I don't think Vin Diesel's gonna have some. O'Connor grubbing up the post when he can have a fine, strong Toretto child. When you marry into the Toretto family, you take the Toretto name. I feel like, yeah, I feel like if you marry into the Toretto family, you're always yeah, a Toretto. Yeah. It's like how if you royal, uh, like marry into the royal family, mm-hmm. you have to take the royal surname. He's the king of street racing, baby. Uh, you're prince consultant and this stuff. Okay, Dom and Brian escape. They find Mia and investigate the car. It contains a computer ship with details of race criminal empire that includes the location of 100 million in cash in dollars which was incredibly convenient by the way Why is that convenient? because it was <laughs> just like oh let's look at this chip and then it has all the information of all the safe houses or where all the money is it wouldn't be much of a film if it was just 20 gigs of lesbian porn though would it <laughs> i mean it'd be a different film <laughs> That, you know what? I'm sorry. It would be a very different film. <laughs> it would be a film. This would be the same film. Be several films. It would be a compilation. I picture the embarrassed look of Dom and Brian like, so um. are we trying that way? <laughs> Should I keep it safe in case he comes back? Why did the feds want this? Can we, can we post it? <laughs> Are we going to ransom it off? Are we going to tell Riaz that we have his lesbian pornography? <laughs> so, 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 but no, it's one million dollars in cash. It's time for another heist. Meanwhile, Luke Hobbs, played by Dwayne Johnson, and his team arrive in Rio. They are not here for a Call of Duty cosplay convention. No, no. They are from the US, air quote, diplomatic security service they are here to arrest our heroes for the murder of those federal agents on the train dun 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 yes we are but back to the heist then we're gonna need a team a team is hired by them with a gallery of quirky individuals a chameleon but not literally a reptile a fast talker but not like an MC with a sick flow someone to punch through walls but again, not literally. A weapon and utilities person, but not the type that services your boiler. <laughs> Someone to back up everything, oh my but God. not your hard drives. <laughs> Two precision drivers. Oh, yes, that that's line. literally good drivers who have precise timing. It's like, and we need two precision drivers. It's like, well, fortunately, we know where to get them. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I think that line is what made it a four-star review for me. <laughs> that one line about precision drivers. I was confused by that because I thought that they were all precision drivers. Who were the drivers they hire? Yes. No, I don't know. Because in a way, you'd think like, especially after you watch Fast and Furious 3, you're like, Hans is probably the best qualified to drive a car around really tight mm. corners because he's the drift mm. king. So he's probably like the best suited for those kind of tight corners. The other two are just like dr- street drag racers. 
To be honest, I was confused with this list of people and then the people who showed up. Everybody was cool and nice, yeah. but I, I couldn't tell, okay, this guy, I guess the chameleon is Han, but then he... He does not dress. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I, I think Gal Gadot is the chameleon, which is ridiculous. Isn't Gal Gadot the person who's supposed to be like the backup for I everyone? I thought that was Roman because he has no skills. <laughs> I thought she was a precision driver. No, wait, because Roman was the one who can talk too much. Therefore, he's the one who can get into all the places. <laughs> oh, he's the fast talker. Yes, that's fair. Okay, yeah, so. I think Han is like the chameleon because he's just a very unassuming looking Asian guy. <laughs> Oh, he must work here. And I think they were also trying to retcon Fast and Furious 3 because they realized everybody loves Han. So they're like, oh, you know what? Let's bring him back for a few more movies. Until he goes to Tokyo. And then he can't die. No, no totally can't. He's immortal. He has plot armor. And choose a three-way cat and mouse hide and seek cops and robbers game between our heroes, Ob's Federal's agents, and race henchmen. Many super cool scenes featuring heist preparation happen. We are treated with illegal street racing, barbecues, and even a bikini handprint. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so okay, the science part of me was just like that handprint scene though. And also the feminist part of me was like that handprint scene though. I thought it was tasteful not to show it. <laughs> so it's a good case for if we already jump in tabletop roleplaying. People made a list, you know, your lines and veils and so on. <laughs> Someone wrote on the list, Someone putting a hand on a character buttocks. Don't we see that? I thought I thought I saw Reyes touch a No, we don't see it. It's behind the veil, no? You see him kind of reaching you see, like, and touching her bum right. and that's his battle fire. And then the next scene is them being like, I present to you a handprint. But the thing is, the handprint mm. is on fabric, which has its own print. And so, like, surely it would have been easy to just get a glass. <laughs> and how, give him a. No, drink. you need the full yeah. hand print. You need the. You know, you it's don't. It's fast and serious, though, you know. You need some kind of glass knickers. Yeah. <laughs> or something. Wait, at least we know now these super, super high tech safes. Apparently, you can crack them with just sort of like. <laughs> the pair of old pants. <laughs> like, like the handprint on a piece of plastic. And it's just a picture. <laughs> so, Ubs and Dom even get on the same team. I'll ride with you, Toretto. But in the end. Dom decides to literally use Hobbs to punch through a wall instead of doing the heist. And choose the last hurrah car chase. Dom and Brian drive cars pulling together a massive safe through the streets of Rio and creating a lot of destruction. Without killing any bystander. <laughs> it all builds up to Dom having to sacrifice himself. But Brian don't let him and in the end it was fine, it didn't matter. Then Hobbs murders race as he is crawling at his feet. It is murder, isn't it? It was, he just walked past it, boom boom and then... Boom boom. Hobbs tells Dom and Brian that they can run a wave to freedom but he will catch them later. And he keeps the safe. The joke is on him. As the safe is empty, a flashback reveals that the Toretto team operated a switcheroo during the final chase. Our heroes manage to open the safe. They are rewarded with $100 million in cash. Time to split up. Each team member have misplaced ambitions and hijinks to engage into. No doubt, this will result in them losing all their money and coming back in future sequels. The end! Oh wait! There's a post-credit scene. Hobbs is working in an office where he really doesn't look out of place. A colleague in high heels brings him 
a folder about a heist in Germany. Eva Longoria from Fast and Furious 2. A CCTV captured a photograph of one of the robbers. Do you believe in ghosts? You believe in ghosts? Asks the colleague. No, it's not, definitely not her. It's a different it's Eva. Eva Mendes. Eva Mendes. Eva Mendes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, they have the same first name. We apologize. Obs is about to comment that this is not appropriate to discuss his faith in the workplace like that. But he sees the photo. It is Letty, played by Michelle Rodriguez, the wife of Dominic Toretto. She was supposed to be dead. Dun dun dun. The end. I just want to add how all the way through the hideout gets busted several times. And at the end, Hob still knows where the hideout is and they still go back to this stupid hideout. Well, they've got 24 hours, right? I think that's the... They got me do, up somewhere. It just seems like... There's only so many places you, know, you can play a safe like, in Rio. You just attack the mob and the mob knows exactly where your hideout <laughs> is. So you go back to this hideout. Is there any mob left? It's like driving a very big... Yeah, yeah, I guess there's no mob and there's no corrupt cops because every single corrupt <laughs> cop in Rio drives directly towards a safe in the last 10 minutes of the film. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, you know, it's one of those things where it's got a lot of plot holes, but I love it anyway. It's one of the few oh, movies absolutely. where it's like, it's got so many other plot holes, but I love it anyway. I adore the series. It's so bold and brash and over the top, and it's these big, silly stories, quite close and I'm not gonna to like, the sort of thing we do in Rockwell. It is really original, too. In my opinion, I mean, I don't watch like huge amounts of action films and things mm. outside of superheroes, but I feel like usually when you have car chases, the cars are literally just how you get from point A to point B. But in Fast and Furious, it's like the cars are the characters. That's definitely something in the earlier films they go for. Like, they really yeah, elaborate on them. And they really do use the cars mm. as part of the heist. Instead of just being like, well, the car is a vehicle. They actually mm. use them, and they're very well choreographed, like, car chases. Mm. Which is one of those things where I just feel like it stands above everything else because it's just... They use the cars so well. I think at some point they considered doing a tie-in with Transformers. They're actually quite close to that because the cars got those personalities already. They're already characters, so turning them in giant robots at some point. Why still making it exciting when they are in car mode? Yeah, it could be nice. I'd tune in. I think it would be one of the few things that would make me watch a Transformers film. Now it's all Mark Wahlberg. Ugh. I don't even know what they're doing. Actually, the last one was good. Bumblebee, uh, it was decent. Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't see that. I haven't seen Transformers since the second one, so... It's like as soon as Megan Fox was gone, it's like, um, you've lost me now. That was that, that. was all I was... I was not in this for sure, the booth. You have misconstrued this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Michael There Bay. seems to be a slight misunderstanding here. So I'm here for the robot yeah. and her, <laughs> not this guy. Well, the thing is, like, I just don't like... Cause Pacific Rim had also come out quite recently, and I feel like Pacific Rim just did giant robots so well, oh, and I was so like, well, Transformers just isn't doing it for me. So much fun. It made them feel heavy. Grant, what was your favorite bit in Fast Five? I liked all the safe play. I liked the way in which the reveal at the culmination of Act Three is that they have worked out a way to steal a whole safe full of money and then just drive it through the Rio streets. <laughs> and once that's been established, once it's been established that these cars can pull a safe with no sort of lubrication or wheels, they're scraping it along like an old-timey sled. Once that's been established, because they've got special reinforced bodywork and stuff, they can do whatever they want. I think it's so much fun that they, they take the concept of like a medieval morning star <laughs> and then they tie it to the main character's cars. 
I think that's great fun. They do a few different things, like they spread apart with the safe in the middle, mm-hmm. one goes in reverse. I really like when they go in the very tight street with one mm-hmm. in reverse and the other one uh, still pulling the safe. I was hoping we could see some more of them, like maybe taking a really tight corner by throwing the safe around it and then sort of swinging around the safe. Like a Batmobile. Precisely like a Batmobile, <laughs> but instead of a lamppost, it's a moving safe, yeah. Anna, what about you? What was your favourite bit of the movie? I have a few bits that I really, really liked. I like The Rock, anything with The Rock in it. I love it. Even mm-hmm. The Pacifier was great. Um... <laughs> I feel like the Fast and Furious films are really, really well paced <laughs> and I can literally just watch them through. And with the exception of when like Toretto goes on his long like speeches about how important family is, it's the only time I feel like the movies really slow down. And I like, as I said, I love the cards chases, any scene where they are driving cars. I love them. Even like that sequence where they're practicing going around the corners. I love it. I know not everyone likes it, but I really enjoy watching it because I just love watching how they <laughs> use the cars and it, oh, I just like it. Me too. I thought it was well paced and I, I really like that. And uh, there's a lot of variety in terms of stuff which are happening. Uh, mm. All the tropes are ticked off. And finally, I was reading that apparently compared to the, the four previous one, this one, they were trying to go back to practical effects and actual stunts. So, of course, what's happening is not realistic at all. But they're still managing to pull it off. Yeah, yeah. It it didn't seem to lean too much into CGI. Mm. There's a lot of stuff which still seems to be, yeah, a stunt. And uh, I do love a good stunt. It can be CGI enhanced, but... I think that's one of the things why I really do like it, because practical effects kind of just gives it this extra, like charm and weight certainly yeah if you film a car crashing into something it's going to look like a car crashing into something yeah exactly yeah. and cgi there's always going to be something askew with cgi even stuff i was surprised to read that apparently the scene when brian runs into the train with the sort of upscotch flatbed truck that's an actual stunt they really ran into with a truck into a train and apparently they almost derailed the train and you can see it oh, wow. in the shot but it's like oh, why wow, you, you really did that i guess it was some train abandoned somewhere or they just want the passenger when they were boarding like by the way <laughs> between croydon and gatwick <laughs> just so that you all know <laughs> we're shooting a movie so it might shake a little passengers not wishing to take part in the fast and furious five should sit in the front two cars of the train <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Shit, which car am I in? Yeah, no, I just, I, they're just so much fun to watch. The characters have all got such good chemistry as well. Mm. And it just makes it really, really fun. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Although, apparently, was it like Vin Diesel and The Rock just don't get along with each other or something, apparently? Not so much, no. But besides that, yeah. everything else is great. <laughs> I don't know, I'm, I'm just making big assumptions. But I could imagine that following this movie, the character of Hobbs was way too popular to the taste of yeah, Vin Diesel. absolutely. And that didn't help. He's in like the next four, isn't he? And he's got a spin-off movie. Yeah, gets his own film with Jason Statham. Yeah, which seems to have been a technique to separate <laughs> them. <laughs> like, they cannot work together. What yeah. if they work yeah. separately, but in the same universe? Great. I'm fine with that. That's the thing, like, if you put Vin Diesel and, and The Rock in one film, there's just too much man to film in one shot. You can't <laughs> get them both on camera. It's like the Avengers, you know, you want the Avengers together every four movies, not every movie. You need standalone ones, and then you got your big event. 
Fast and Furious Toretto and Hobbs go to space. <laughs> yeah, you got like Fast and Furious Civil War. Fast and Furious Endgame. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Fast and Furious Toretto Vision. Oh my god. Anna, what was your least favorite bit? Uh, see what I- The science. Yeah, well, if we're going to go into the science, the bikini scene. I'm all for seeing Gal Gadot in a bikini because she's a very hot lady. But how would you get a handprint of a bikini bum? <laughs> it's a special fabric. Maybe she bought it somewhere. It's your blades in the dark. Can I roll for a flashback <laughs> to have a bikini which takes handprints? <laughs> I need these special <laughs> absorbent briefs. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, on the outside. Right. But the thing that really yeah. alarms me is that they then use a black light to reveal the hand. So what is that guy doing with his hand <laughs> oh for it to appear as God. a black light? What, what, what well. sort of human <laughs> filth he's been streaking his palm through? <laughs> Just well, off camera. Again, yeah, the scene happens <laughs> behind the veil. We don't know how far things went. So yeah, that's the thing. Like They use a black light to reveal the hand. And I'm sitting there like, Ugh. do you know what is revealed using black light? <laughs> he was, maybe he was very excited because Gal Gadot was there. But yeah, uh, besides that, though, it's probably the really cheesy scripts. <laughs> All right. But it's just standard for Fast and Furious's point. The worst thing about mm. the Fast and Furious movies is how cheesy the scripts are. I'm with you on the whole sort of when Dom starts talking about family, it can get quite boring. And that's where the cheesiness really kicks in. Mm. And I think that's almost like the tax you pay. Yeah. To get away <laughs> with watching the rest of everything that happens in the you film. You can watch the Fast and the Furious, but... There's a prize. <laughs> you can have your car chase, but you have to eat all your family first, okay? <laughs> Did you say eat all your family? <laughs> yeah, like eat your vegetables. <laughs> so is that what you dislike the most in the movie, Grant? The things I don't like. I'm really upset that Anna enjoyed that sequence where they drove around in the circle for an extended period of time. So I, thought that, I thought that was rubbish. <laughs> and they do it again in six. <laughs> for nothing, by the way, because they, they punched the wall. I'm pretty sure they do it in three. There's an extended sequence in the film where they're like, we've got to drive in a circle real quick, lads. <laughs> all right, let's all take turns driving in a circle. Did I drive fast enough? Oh, I didn't drive fast enough in a circle. Okay, to hell with it. Let's just drag the safe out the building. I can give you some context as to why I love that scene so much. <laughs> Please do, I'm interested. When I was younger, so... <laughs> you drove in a circle a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but also, when I was 17, um, I got my driving license when I was 17, mm. and then when I was 18... My dad booked me onto a load of like car handling oh, cool. courses, and in- that included like drifting and skid oh, pan wow. and all this kind of stuff. Because his logic was, of all the children who's likely to do stupid shit in their car, it's going to be me. So if <laughs> I learn how to handle a car properly, I'm less likely to be killed. That's great, Daddy. Yeah, it's great. That's amazing. So he, so for my 18th birthday, he paid for like four by four off-roading track courses for skid pan courses, for drift courses, so I would know how to handle a car. Mm. And by doing stupid stuff in cars, I don't mean street racing. I mean, like, sure. going off into the jungle and the 4 by 4 and never coming back, or going up to the frozen north and then crashing the car into a moose kind of thing. And to his credit, most of those scenarios have come true, and in each scenario, I have come out safely. Did you grow up in... Canada or Skyrim? Um, I, I lived in Canada for a while. Right, okay, cool. But all that training that he put me on has come in like yeah, yeah, yeah. has come in useful for me. But that's why I like all the skid stuff and like all the drifting. And also actually I'm looking like 
Fast and the Furious taught me how to accelerate really fast in a manual car. <laughs> oh, not not granny shifting. Yeah, so it taught me how I could shift real quick because I would watch like Fast and Furious 1 and Fast and Furious 2 and I know it's cut in a specific way, but they've cut it in a way that I learned how to shift really fast. <laughs> so I could go I can go from first gear to fourth gear without having to go in second and third. Really? That's true. That's, that's, that's amazing. Possible. So that's one of the reasons why I like those sequences because you see all the gear shifting and the pedals and stuff. All right. As an aside, you clearly saw Fast and the Furious at a time when you were ready to be impacted by it. Yeah, the first one came out when I got my driving license. <laughs> right. So the first one came out when I was 14 years old. So I could not drive. And we, we went and we watched it in the cinema. And we were so excited that we had to run up and down outside the cinema giving each other piggyback rides. Because <laughs> we didn't have cars. Aww. I'm just trying to see... Four. When did Fast and Furious 1 come out? 2001. Because this one it was the 10th anniversary with Fast and Furious 5. 2001! Bloody hell. Okay, yeah, no. So that would have come out when I was about the same age as you then. But like Fast and Furious 2 came out when I was 18. Mm. So I remember when Fast and Furious 2 came out. I was like, Dad, can I get LEDs under my car? He's like, no. Dad, can I get LEDs under my car? No. Dad, can I get a vinyl for my car? No. Dad, can I get some mad ice? For my car. <laughs> right? And he's just sitting there going, what have you done? I'm like, oh, it's like, I've been watching this film. And he's just like, no. <laughs> so I don't even remember, Grant. Did you say what was the thing you liked the least? I thought the villain, Reyes, was a bit toothless. I think Fast and Furious, it works best when the villain's like like a fighting person. Yeah, I see that. Mm. Or like is themselves very sort of high action. And so like you've got The Rock, you've got Statham, you've got Statham's wee brother, you've got Charlize Theron. You've got like like Vin Diesel in the first film. You know, you've got these sort of powerful, heroic stories. And you've got what amounts to kind of a slimy businessman who just sort of gets run off the road and doesn't really do anything. Yeah, his plan also is <laughs> peculiar in the sense like, yeah... I give them jobs. I give them schools, nursery, hospital, and I own them. It's like you, you give them basic needs stuff. For the Fast and the Furious, surprisingly nuanced as far as their villains go. That doesn't sound that evil. Why are you a criminal? My final complaint is whatever it does that Paul Walker does that he thinks is acting. Because bless him, it's not. <laughs> It's true. He's got the air of a child in a primary school nativity play <laughs> where he's really excited that he's remembered his lines. <laughs> but it's not, he doesn't really emote or have pacing <laughs> or convey anything to the audience. He's just there saying the words aloud because he was in the previous films. <laughs> oh my God. He smiles. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's an eight-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> You've just totally changed, like, how I see Paul Walker in these films. <laughs> yeah. It's like no one told him the cars were going to be there. Because it's so true. He's always got that wide-eyed, like... Oh, my God, guys, no, they've got real cars. Finn. Vincent. It's almost, it's kind of a bit like Orlando Bloom in, like, Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, my God, I'm here. Please don't. Can we race again? I can win this time. <laughs> oh, I'm picturing now a prequel, and it's... It's big. Ah, right, the film big, yes. So Paul Walker, his character would be literally an eight-year-old. He does so little police work when he's a police officer. <laughs> I'm a policeman. No, <laughs> yeah, sure, I got a stick and I hit the robbers with it. It's like when it Hobbs lands in the thing and they're like, what makes these guys so dangerous? He is a federal officer who's been in deep undercover for like five years. And I'm like, but has he though? <laughs> <laughs> has he? 
pretty sure he still cuts the crust off his sandwiches. It brings that quote into a new light, what you said about Vince. What is he, sandwich crazy? Because if it's a child... He actually doesn't want to get off with Mia. He just really likes the tuna sandwiches. <laughs> you know, that would fit in big. <laughs> Isn't that one of his lines? He's like, I'm here because the tuna sandwiches. Nobody likes the tuna sandwiches. I think that's one of Vin's lines, yeah. <laughs> in like the first one. <laughs> oh, Callum, what, what didn't you like? Uh, what I didn't like was, you know, the Rocky was impressive and uh, this horror of coolness but at the same time they had this very strong black water vibe mm. <laughs> like killing mercenaries they don't look like government agent and if they do they they re-comes across like the worst people who work for the cia and just go into countries and kill people just cold-blooded I love the scene with them when they have to uh, put back the car together. I thought that was funny, but all the rest of the time, when they die, I'm like, oh, oh I guess oh, no. a terrible person died. <laughs> On one end, I liked that Obs gets rid of the villain so fast. I thought it was refreshing, but at the same time, it's murder. Yeah. <laughs> it's murder. It's really, I'm a paladin, I'm principled. You just killed a man. <laughs> At your feet. I think our European sensibilities don't understand it. <laughs> I think it might be assassination more so than murder, come yeah. to think of it. Because, like, it's, wh- whatever he's doing, it really feels extra digestal. Extra. Yeah. Illegal. Yeah. I mean, he's working with literal criminals. He decided to stick with the criminals. That was one of the things I didn't get. He's like, all this stuff about, like, following the law, blah, blah, blah. And then he literally helps criminals break the law. Then he's like, have you got 24 hours? I'm like, Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> You've got 24 hours, then 25 years, because I'm going to be arrested for what I did. <laughs> to be fair, like, The Rock can't hide anyway. He is so big. No, so he, he's, he's the largest thing in the room. He should Spontum. be in jail at the end of this. Just say. Yeah, I think everyone should be in jail. Yeah, I guess, like, it's probably not a tense... Low stakes crime drama. <laughs> this is very much a film about what if a car went very quick and then it went off a ramp. <laughs> and the rest of the series is sort of fills around that one central idea of what if a car went up? Yeah. Instead of a long. <laughs> Cars going very quick up a ramp. Is this a movie you would recommend to tabletop RPG fans? Oh, I would definitely recommend this to tabletop RPG fans just because it has all the elements of a really good tabletop heist i mean it just has like for heists in general i don't know i have run so many games where it starts off the same way as this one does except it gets derailed and this is kind of like what a tabletop heist might look like oh yeah if everyone rolled really well all the time <laughs> yeah no one messed up <laughs> yeah well except they change the plan so not everything goes right nobody manages to succeed at that driving in a circle challenge <laughs> Not only do they do it for, like, half of the film, but they don't do it fast enough. They plan to do it in, like, weirdly souped-up police cars. And then they have a big race in those cars with the sirens on. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I think it's great in terms of, like, of, of recommending it to a role-playing game group. And this is going to change, because what I've said here in the document is it shows the evolution of the Fast and Furious series from action crime drama to an international wizard heist. But that's flippant, and we've already said that eight times. What I think I'd like to recommend this film for is it treats the story with the same level of seriousness and restraint as we do when we play role-playing games. Mm. In that it's there, 
and you can remember some fun things that happened, and it's definitely exciting. But it's not, like, there's not really, like, a character arc, per se. Yeah, I see that. There's not deep introspective things going on. It's, like, everyone's clearly having a bit of fun. I can picture the people around the table. It's not so much about what's going on within the story. It's more we're together, we're drinking, we're eating Doritos together, and we're having good fun. And uh, no, and then we got some nice vignettes. Each of us got a cool moment we will remember, but we will forget how they fit together and so on. Yeah, because you can tell all the cast of The Fast and Furious, you can tell they're just there to have a good time. And you can tell they're having fun on set, even through... Oh, yeah. I love movies like that where, okay, the movie can be stupid and have the most stupid plotline ever, but you can tell all the actors are just genuinely having fun and it comes across. That's that's, that's what matters. It's sincere. Yes, it's sincere, isn't it? It's all about family, guys. Family. (laughs) That's the impression. Family. It's like Mr. Diesel's in the room. It's great. He actually is. (laughs) Hey, guys, I came in the role-playing game podcast. All about D&D, guys. (laughs) My reason I would recommend it is um, how many movies have a group of heroes where, you know, there's so many of them and it works as a party. And it, it's a very common trope in many developer role-playing games. You've you got this party with all the archetypes, the chameleon, the utility guy, the precision driver. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the backup. <laughs> Two Brazilian comedians who are there for regional reasons. Does that mean Gal Gadot is like the barbarian? Because she's like the backup. So what, she's like... I'm trying to like put them into like traditional tabletop classes, and I'm like, it's a lot of bards with the uh, horse riding feet. I find so Roman's a bard because he's objectively useless, mm-hmm. <laughs> much like bards. And I play bards, but he can talk his way into anything and out of anything. Sure, why not? Yeah, he can certainly cause a scene. Galcado, you know what? Galcado probably a ranger. That's probably who I'd put in for backup. She's adaptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see it. Like she's quite mobile. And then everyone else is a um, is a fighter with a weapon specialization car. <laughs> Can I use my tracking ability on my own bikini? There you go, see? <sighs> that fucking bikini. So which role-playing game would be great to adapt this movie into? Anna, you're a big fan of Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, why would D&D be appropriate or not? <laughs> I play a lot of D&D, mostly because it's, I'm a DM and everybody just wants to play D&D, um, and I generally don't have time to learn new systems to play, but I have played a lot of other systems, but mostly there are a lot of sci-fi systems and things, like masks and kids and brooms, and some, uh, there was one about space and aliens, and I don't know, and I play like the classics like Call of Cthulhu, Vampire, Masquerade, Legend of the Five Rings, and Apocalypse World. And I think if I completely exclude D&D, I actually think Apocalypse World could be quite fun to adapt to this kind of movie. Apocalypse World? Or do you mean something powered by the Apocalypse? Because I never played Apocalypse World. That's the one. Powered by the Apocalypse. It's because my friend my friend kept calling it Apocalypse World. But also because when I played it, the story arc that we did, I was the heist driver. So I spent the whole time just driving people from place to place and like driving cars and motorbikes, weaving through enemies and things like this. So I found it a really fun system for that kind of play. I actually played a game which was developed based on Fast and Furious. You got three stats, which are Fast, Furious and Family. Mm. (laughs) And that's it. It was a lot of fun, but it was kind of a bit on the slim side. I'm not even arguing to use something crunchier, but 
it was really on the side of things which are you barely use the system during the game you just mm. improvise stuff and uh, you make a roll on either fast furious and family and and you see what happens so so that's it that was love by the quarter mile which was in the bundle for racial equality so a lot of people might have it and don't know they do <laughs> like i did before <laughs> I wrote a game based on the Fast and the Furious. Did you? Yes, yeah, because I wrote it, oh god, four years ago now. It's called The Rapid and the Righteous. Yeah. Oh, it's not even the one I was thinking about. No, no, no. You have three stats. Um, so, so there's Crash Pandas, which is a game about five raccoons all trying to drive the same car at once, which is very different from the vibe yes. of Fast and the Furious. You but I think it's like the third one page or fourth one page game I put out was The Rapid and the Righteous, which has the stats drive, fight, and hack. Because it like it very much gets into hacking towards towards the end. I am a fool to have not had the stats fast and furious. I'm very sad that I did that, but I, I like to think I've grown as a game designer. Wouldn't make that same mistake again. <laughs> You're on a journey towards being a seasoned game designer. I'm on a journey to ha- to one day having having Vin Diesel lock eyes with me from across a crowded room. But I would use a game which uses even fewer rules than the one you recommended, Callum, which is a game called Wushu. Mm-hmm which is the very first game I cut my teeth on when I was a young, scrappy games master. Did it hurt? And w- Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, well, okay, so, so Wushu is a very rules-like game. You write down four stats, and they can be whatever you want and cover whatever the hell you like. It oh, actually doesn't yeah, matter. Cool. They did the, they're just a pacing mechanic. So, like, everyone could have driving at five, and that's the best that it can be in the game. It doesn't really matter. Power in the game comes from every detail you add to a scene, you add an extra dice to your pool. And you have a dice cap on how many details you can put in per scene, and then you roll the dice. It's very straightforward, and it just lets you pen together these huge freewheeling action scenes. And it was a, a when you asked me, did it hurt? That was the first game which I ever ran properly with Wushu. And then I went to Dungeons and Dragons 3.5. <laughs> okay. And to go from a game where I can like leap sideways through a plate glass window with both my Uzis spraying death throughout all the mooks that are running towards me and we've hmm, we've become disconnected i like that because it sounds simple but it still structures the game absolutely i'm just sort of another game that i played recently that i'm just trying to remember the name i think it's like based off of like kids on brooms mm-hmm. teens in space teens in space that was it where you got so it's teasing space where I think the mechanic where you can upgrade your ship would be really, really good to apply to this. Like, you can, instead of having the ship, you can have upgrades to your car. Oh, you tune... Uh, there definitely should be rules for NOS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not enough NOS in Fast Five. Nowhere near. Only one NOS scene. But still, it's there. So, tick the box. Yeah. I think, like, by this point, they're just like, oh, this just... No. <laughs> You've got to presume that, that Vin Diesel is just exhaling NOS at every turn. That's, that's just taken, as, taken for granted. Could you imagine when they do the police car race? Just like when Nos just like Phew. It's fun because like they twist the cylinder on the NOS and then I don't know, magic occurs. So they have like that trigger button. It's, I think it's in Fast and Furious 2. Even probably number one where they push the button, it's like an ignition button and it's like yeah. it goes down through the engines and you go down, you see all the blue fl- fire come out as they burn up the angel p- feathers or wizard parts or something. It's very exciting. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I think Wushu is good. I think that the fewer rules, the fewer ways you can tell a player no in Fast and Furious, aside from a sort of general tone. In Wushu, because you get three stats, you'd have one for family, one for furious or fighting, and one for fast, which is your driving style. And then you just go from there and tell a story together, and it lasts for two or three sessions, then you never come back to it. It's perfect. 
Yeah, another one I played, which was very simple, even less rules in a way. It's based on For the Queen, so you got a deck of cards. Okay. You pull the cards, there's a question, there's a prompt, you need to answer it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called Final Lap, it's by uh, Nicolas Ronvel, aka Gullix. He's a French designer, but it's available in English. And you can even play it online, so I played it with my wife. That was our Valentine's Day, by the way. Uh, (laughs) I love you, uh, Persephilia. Sounds like a good Valentine's Day. (laughs) We played it with our phones, so we each are our phones on, and you see the card when it's the other person's turn. So it's really easy to play online. But the point of it, so you can skin it however you want. It's actually in the rules. They say, okay, you, it can be a Formula One. It can be with it, the Paris-Dakar. It could be a pod racer race. It doesn't matter. It, it works. But the point is, I think what works very well with Final Lap is that unlike your intuition when you see Fast and Furious to say, okay, I'm going to design rules about winning or losing races. And it's like a video game or Gran Turismo and you try to win or lose the race. No, in final lap, you're not going to win the race. The end of the race is set. The champion's going to win the race. In the case, Mm. if you were doing a a further hack of that to make it even more Fast and Furious, you could say at the end, uh, Dom sacrifices himself and ends up in jail. Mm. At the end of the final lap, the champion, she's going to win the race. But each card you pull, you've got flashbacks or things which happen during that race that you have to make up. So the story builds up within that race. There are prompts like, why are you in this race? Or you find out about someone involved in the race being corrupted. Who was it? And it was another player. So tell what happened with that. Someone had a crash. Did you stop to help that person? And why? It's really liberating into making up things and fleshing out everything that is going on around the race. The the way I sold it to my wife was to say, hey, remember that movie Rush with Daniel Brühl and Chris Hemsworth? We're really not into car racing. She likes Chris Hemsworth. I like Daniel Brühl. So we watched the movie and we loved the movie because the movie has so much drama going on. The characters are great. And it's not that much about the cars or the racing. It's about the drama and they rebuild up that drama. And Final Lap really managed to do that. And you could definitely take Final Lap as it is and you're going to lose the race. The champion's going to win the race. It might be Gal Gadot. You could be set in the world of Fast and Furious and you're just there, and she's there, and you're trying to beat her, and everybody around the table is driving that illegal street race, but you're going to lose again that Gal Gadot, but you're going to develop all your character and your stories, and I think it would work very, very well. Could I play Rita Ora? <laughs> you can play whoever you want. Great. When you said like Gal Gadot is like the champion, that's, uh, was it Ralph Wrecks the Internet? Because she plays a street racer in Ralph Wrecks the Internet as well. Oh, there we go. You could play that even. You know, the game itself, you could play, what was it called? Candy Rush or something like that in uh, Wreck-It Ralph. I can't remember the name. Candy Kart, something like that. But it's kind of a Mario Kart, uh, but uh, sugar-coated team though. I'm going to have to like write this down on this because this sounds like such a great RPG. I'm going to write down this name and I'm going to go look at it this weekend. (laughs) As usual, I will put a list in the description of the episode. But uh, speaking of teams... Are there teams you'd like to borrow from the movie to put it in different games? Not necessarily a Fast and Furious knockoff in a role-playing game. Just things which happen you think are good lessons to apply to a role-playing game. 
I really like how they use everyone's strengths and no one like fights it. I've been in some games where people try and take on a role that is just really not suited for their skill set, but they still try. But in this, like, so even though Roman doesn't want to go do things, he will still do it because he knows that's where his skills are at. So I think that's a really good lesson to learn, kind of play to your strength. But I also like how they use the resources that are around them. So instead of having to bring in too many extra resources or trying to complicate too many things by adding extra things, they kind of just use what's around them. So they're like, how are we going to get this safe out? Police cars. Where do we get police cars? From the police station and stuff like this. And I just like how they kind of use what's around them and they use their skill sets to the best of their ability. And I think that's a really good thing that you can take from it. Yeah, yeah, they bring back things in. And although I'm not a big fan of Fast and Furious, I'm not aware of the law. <laughs> Even though if I was not familiar, I could tell when they were referencing something from a past movie. There was some kind of innuendo that I would get. They were there to reuse things which were available, but they used the police cars, but they also used the street racing scene to stop Hobbs. There are stuff from the story which come back later. It's a lot of Chekhov <laughs> guns all over the place and they pick them all up. I really like the way in which they managed they, they managed to put in, I, I suppose because Reyes as a villain is so weak, they supplant a lot of the sort of big fighting man energy there with, uh, they replace that with The Rock, with Hobbs. And I think the fact that, like, that Hobbs is, in action movie terms, one of the most charismatic foils I've seen in a long time. It's exciting when he shows up and like, you don't want him to catch the, the goodies, but you kind of want him to catch the goodies a little bit. You want to see him try. And it's quite rare to see a heel developed in such a way who is, who's like, like, yeah, they are doing some, ex some extrajudicial things. And I think especially like now seeing it, because it was released in 2011. And for a 2011 American audience, there's perhaps some actions which Hobbs takes, which might not fly so well today <laughs> in the current climate. Yeah, that's the thing, though, you know, the paramilitary look, <laughs> gun-wielding things. Yeah, it's not, it's not such a, not such a brilliant... Yeah. One thing maybe you can bring into a role-playing game, which I thought was interesting with Han and Gal Gadot, uh, because I don't remember her character, is the fact that there's a romance there, <laughs> but you don't see it overly developed. Mm. You know, you don't see the courting that much. You see interactions just enough that you, like... Okay, I can see that happening, that they end up as a couple because they, they got a, I don't know, chemistry or something. They have good chemistry, but you don't see the actual flirting. Again, it's behind the veil. So that's yeah. something you could have in a role-playing game to have players decide, and our characters got together and we don't have to turn the game into a romance or do things which, <laughs> you know, role-playing might be a bit, yeah, not, not great. But you can say, hey, all characters are together now. And uh, that's their dynamic. Like you would decide on hooks at the beginning of uh, some Poet by the Apocalypse game. It happens, but it doesn't need to be centered on that and be uh, phoned in. It's not the focus of the story. Yeah. Yeah, no, I see that. Because sometimes you just like people get too hooked up on, on the romance. Stop having feelings. This is where it comes like in Fast and Furious. The flirting is just intense staring at each other. That's all Paul Walker can do. They put a colourful tennis ball behind the woman. <laughs> or like they'll get some keys and jangle them and that'll be him for, for as long as they need him. Whenever like Dominic looks at the cop lady, they just mm. stare at each other and there's like dirt and smoke flying everywhere. And her fringe blows in front of her face, but they stare at each other. 
You know, I nearly bought their relationship. I thought it was it was a nice touch to have, like, she was doing what she could to try and fight back. Kind of goes on with what Callum was saying. You can see something is going on, but it's not like the focus of Toretto's story. Yeah. Yeah, and they don't need they don't go for the kiss. They don't go for the embrace. No, they don't. I like that. Yeah. They do have kids later on, so they very much do get on. I'm just talking about this movie. Again, I don't know the law. And maybe if they build up over different movies, it it works. But here it was like, yeah, they got this connection that they lost someone. Mm. At least they both think they lost someone. Maybe neither lost someone. Maybe the husband of uh, the lady character. Still alive. He's he's he's, he's dead as a nut. I'm sorry. (laughs) Do you you believe in ghosts? (laughs) Again? Oh my gosh. I'm just like picturing all these various scenarios that we've talked about in this podcast. I'm like picturing them in my head. I'm like, oh God, this will be a mess. A series of terrible spin-off films. <laughs> like Amazon made for streaming 40 minute long specials exploring the various minor characters. There's a cartoon on Netflix. Oh yeah, there is, isn't there? Yeah, I, I had a quick look. It's for kids, right? Yeah, it's with kids. It's like James Bond Jr. The dumb is their uncle or something like that. Oh, great. Okay. That's this. What is this? I'd like my nieces and nephews to watch Fast and Furious, but I don't think my nine-year-old nephew is not going to be suitable viewing for him. But I want to bring him into the family so he can enjoy the films later on. Yeah, I'm just going to have to look this up fast. <laughs> Furious. In this staring thing, I liked, and I think it's something which is difficult to make happen in role-playing games because how players behave. So I guess that's something you need to discuss at session zero, but it's cool to have the antagonist come face to face. Yeah, absolutely. And interact with one another, like Obs and Dom, or Dom with Race. Oh my gosh. Unless you bind physically the characters, yeah. which is a big no-no in role-playing games. It's very frustrating. <laughs> it's very difficult to have players in front of an antagonist and not have the players roll for initiative immediately. Oh, I'd like to give some advice on that. One of the few pieces of advice I've seen given out to GMs, which could be very useful, is don't be afraid to just say to your players, hey, is it all right if you don't fight them? I want to have a cool scene where we have a standoff. Can we work that out? And if your players are decent people, they'll hopefully be like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, let's work it out. We'll work out why we don't have a fight here. And then you can have that dramatic scene. Cool. Rather than hoping. (laughs) Sometimes it's as simple as that. Sometimes it's as simple as treating them like adults. Which is, unfortunately, that's why I used to do a role-playing advice podcast and we had to kind of cancel the role-playing advice part of it because that's the answer to every question. Just treat them like adults. Yeah, just try talking to them. I follow like a bunch of Reddits and social media threads about RPG nightmares and things. Yeah. And half of the things that go wrong could so easily be fixed by literally just messaging someone. Yeah. And just being like, hey, so can you not treat my character like this? (laughs) Hey, so we're all older than seven. Can we move ahead, please? Yeah. This is supposed to be fun. One last thing I told you mentioned Poet by the Apocalypse game, and often you got this sort of things which you got moves and situations you tick, mm. which often are trope enforcing mechanics. And I really appreciated in this movie that they sort of ticked so many boxes. So you had a heist, you had a street racing uh, illegal chase. You got the favelas, you got the nitrox, you got even the minigun. I burst out laughing. It's just there briefly, isn't it? I mean, they just get more and more ridiculous, don't they? Because is it F9 where they have a freaking submarine trying to push them all into the water and they're racing cars across the ice? 
There's a submarine coming up from underneath the ice and they shoot a missile. That is, that is the dramatic conclusion of Fast and Furious 8. That's 8. That was 8. Okay. I, I, like, yeah, I don't think mine's I out like yet. Which ones are which are all like mixed up because they're just all great, but I forget what order they go in. They're all broadly the same film starring the same people. I think it's a bit like Lord of the Rings. You're supposed to watch them in one sitting. <laughs> I tried that once and we had a load of Coronas and we had burgers and stuff. We oh, tried to sit nice. through all of them. It was great. Because, you know, mm. Corona is the beer of Fast and the Fears. <laughs> the beer of family. You're my family. You're my family, Corona. You're the only family I need beer. <laughs> we'll have a family barbecue in. Oh, that was a terrible accent just then. <laughs> I'm going to barbecue the beers. <laughs> Get the cars and the beers. <laughs> I'm going to barbecue my beer on a car. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it past that. Rev it up, Paul. No, 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 no. I'm not going to go into the legal highs, but I could see that you have a uh, can of Chantilly cream, and each time they hit the nitrox, you, you get a, a burst of Chantilly in your mouth. Oh, man. <laughs> Doing nangs. That's, that's going to get considerably less exciting as, as you move away from NOS into hacking. But then I guess like you could do a nang every time they, they do NOS, and then some sort of design, designer chemical drug when they get into hacking. Or like binaural beats, maybe. I'm sick at some ancient degree <laughs> yeah. between one and three. I mean, I mean, I imagine you'd die halfway through two just from not getting enough oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> too Fast, Too Furious is just like, I think Too Fast, Too Furious is my favourite one just because it had the stupid ridiculousness of some of the it cars. It on a boat and that's not where cars go. <laughs> I, Anna, I'm so upset that that's your favourite one. <laughs> Well, I like it because I like the I like the look of I'm so, I'm so disappointed in <laughs> See, I'm a very I'm a, I'm a very simple person to please, okay? I see, okay. <laughs> and and right. cars are pretty. Yeah, I, I, I unless it's Shelley's Theron juggling eight laptops, I just can't I can't do it. The cars are gorgeous in Too Fast and Furious, and then in Tokyo Drift, again, got some gorgeous cars. I just hate the main character in Tokyo Drift. Oh, he's terrible. He's so bad. Oh, it's, it's like God dropped a person. <laughs> he's hideous. <laughs> you thought Paul Walker was bad? Oh, like, yeah, he's like, Paul Walker is at least handsome. <laughs> I don't even know who's the, is, it's not Han in the Tokyo Drift then. No, Han's, Han's a side character. No, so Han is the person who trains. Jim Bob, whatever the fuck his name he is. He trains the main character. He, he is of no connection. Um, what's his name? Glack or Black? Lucas Black? Yeah, possibly. I don't know. Lil Bow Wow's in it, although I guess he's just Bow Wow at that point. Mila Kunis was in it as well, I wasn't I she? I, 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 don't, I don't recall, but really? you know. Was it Mila Kunis that was in it? I don't think that was Mila Kunis. They have a really good soundtrack, too. Yeah, they do well. I do like the. I love the soundtrack to the whole Fast and Furious franchise. I play it in my car. When I lived in Canada, it had some of my friend's brothers would like get lift from me and they would sit there and be like, I had no idea you like this kind of music. And I'm sitting there like, I like this kind of music if it's got cars with it. <laughs> and it's just me and his sister. We're just sitting there like jamming to these like really hard rap cats. Like, Swerving around and moose. Stuff. And we are like, you look at us, you would think we're like Swifties. We love Taylor Swift. And then you have like the Fast and Furious soundtrack and we're like, yeah. I would love to, Callum. Perhaps next time you get me back on to talk at length about the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> I would love to talk about the chronological impossibility of sandwiching three at the start of six. Sure. No, sorry, the start of seven, not the start of six. <laughs> the films are not released in chronological plot order. 
it's a wonderful kind of. Uh, it's one of those things that are like, oh, everyone loved Han, but not anyone else. Yeah. What are we going to do? We're not going to bring that wretch who we, who we decided was a main character. Oh, no, we'll just get Han in. That's fine. As long as he never goes back to Japan, he doesn't die and it's entirely fine. Well, it's at the end of Tokyo Drift, doesn't like... Vin Diesel shows up. Vin Diesel show up. Yeah. And he's like, Han was an old friend of mine. That scene takes place also in Fast and the Furious 7. It's amazing. I love the sort of Kama Sutra shit they had to do to logic to get it into shape. I mean, it kind of worked. It's delightful. So let mm-hmm. me get this straight, mm-hmm. Grant. You want to come back on the show to discuss how Fast and Furious 3 is oddly sandwiched. <laughs> what are you? Sandwich crazy? Oh! <laughs> what, what a closer. Beautiful work. Oh, that was good. That was so good. <laughs> So thanks, Classroom, for your participation today. You can find The Rollist and The RPG Academy on Patreon because The Rollist and The RPG Academy, we got this in common that we do this out of our love for the hobby, but we do have expense and no jobs uh, very often. So please go check our respective Patreon if you want to support us in any way. Thanks to my Patreon supporter, uh, I've got a brand new website uh, coming our way. Maybe it's out by the time I've edited this episode. I've been recording a lot of film studies recently. But yeah, you can find The Rollist on Twitter, at RollistPod. So that's at R-O-L-I-S-T-E-S-P-O-D. And you can find The RPG Academy at The RPG Academy. And uh, you will find all our various shows of the RPG Academy and the released on your podcatcher of choice, uh, Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify and all of that. Grant, uh, oh. could you plug yourself again and uh, say your goodbye? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. You can find me on Twitter at G-S-H-O-W-I-T-T. That's G-S Howitt, probably the best place to follow me. And if you're interested in in taking a look at any of my games, including the one that's based on the Fast and the Furious, or some other games, such as uh, Overthrowing a a Cruel High Elf Government uh, as part of a Dark Elf Insurrection Force, or Exploring a Mad Nightmare Dungeon, which will kill you, uh, you can go to rrdgames.com and learn more there. Nobody cares about those crunchy long games with a setting. What we want is Jason Statham's Big Vacation, and then... You remain in the tone. <laughs> yeah, or another game about criminal animals. Criminal animals, that's 90% of what you do, right? You take an animal, you take a crime, you bring them together. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's all they do. I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to write like complex difficult games about obsession and power. No, what I'm doing. What if, what if we what if what if we was a crow? What stole an egg? You never released that Nigella Lawson chasing a fridge. I mean, I would like to play that game. Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> like, no one wants to play the serious games. <laughs> Look at Hannah. She plays D&D. She doesn't have time for that. She will play your one page and like critical role. That's all. Anna doesn't have to learn a whole page of new rules. You've got D&D. I'm a teacher. I might do during the holidays, but during the terms, oh, God, no. Absolutely not, no. <laughs> Just stick to the thing I know. So, Anna, what do you have? <laughs> yeah, so um, I can be found on Twitter, Anna S 100 I do a lot of photography as well, and I'm on Instagram, Anna underscore S underscore photography underscore 100. Nice. I don't know. I think that's it. <laughs> Leave some underscores for the rest of us. <laughs> I think I think that's my Instagram handle. 
But yeah, I don't know, maybe by the time that this comes out, I might have an actual play podcast where I'll play a D&D game in an Asian setting because, you know, lots of people are bitching and moaning. Oh, I should say this. <laughs> lots of people are like bitching and moaning about not there not being an Asian setting. But why don't you just make one yourself? So that's what me and my friends did. So we are going to be starting a podcast. Hope It might be out by the time this comes out. Who knows? But that is called Spirit on Tap D&D. Oh, but isn't there... Spirit on Tap. Isn't there a D&D oriental setting? Yeah, we don't talk about the official <laughs> setting for the Asians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was, there was some, some sort of adventures they had set up in some part yeah. of the world, I seem to recall. <laughs> we don't talk about yeah. this. <laughs> Asian setting, a lot of Tokyo Drift in there, perfect. Dude, you know what? I'm really tempted now to just try and integrate some sort of Tokyo Drift into this Asian setting I've made. Please, please, just please because. have a class which makes horses go sideways. <laughs> I mean, is, is that not what the sorcerer does? <laughs> but I guess it'd be like sort of high-speed dressage. Oh my god, could you imagine? Yeah! And, and you, you have to find some way of putting parking lots. In your fantasy, Asia. Well, you could just like put the horses on Big B's hands and then just like have the Big B's hands racing everywhere. I suppose so, but I want those horses to get hurt. <laughs> wow. What a way to end the podcast. <laughs> what's, what's a nitrox for a horse? Ginger. Ginger. Yeah, ginger wood. Okay. That'll, that'll get him going. Great. Uh, well, thanks everyone. Thanks, my wonderful guest. Everything we mentioned and spelled out will be in the description of the episode, so you can find links to click there, which is much easier. All the games I will link to, and they will even have affiliate tags. So if you do purchase them, you will support a bit or shows financially. Thanks everyone. Thanks Grant. Thanks Hannah. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having me. Bye. Drive safe. <laughs>